Welcome to The Bank Shot with your host, Jane Banks. This show is sponsored by the John Coltrane Jazz Festival and Roar Media Group. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the flow of conversation. And now your host, Gene Banks. Hello, everyone, and goodness knows who might. It's always wonderful to be back, and we're back with season two. And first of all, before I get going, um, did, I want you to know, did you enjoy last week's session with Vince Taylor? You know, we, we go on all ACC the next couple of weeks, so to speak. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and, and before I even get started and even talk about our last shows, let me introduce and they welcome my wonderful co-host and lovely producer director, Miss Lynette Jackson. Hey, Hello, Lynette. Hello, Gene. Hey, how are you? I'm I'm doing wonderful. I'm I'm good. maintaining. Okay, uh, and, good. And, I know we're going to talk about uh, some of the shows we had. We had uh, Vince Taylor and before yes. that, Sonny, Sonny Vaccaro. Yes, I enjoyed and both of them. Uncle Sonny was amazing. They were good. They were uh, he, good. he, you know, he wanted me to call him Uncle Sonny. So he's Uncle Sonny now. Yeah, and our guest knows about Sonny Vaccaro, and, and he knows about uh, Vince and Duke and all the other stuff. But I'm not going to say his name just yet. But before okay. we get before we get going, uh, my guest comes from another realm of blue. You know, oh, it's, okay. it's, it's a little it's a blue lighter. thing. It's a blue thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it, it, it is a blue thing. This is a real, real light, light blue. Oh, uh, that and, blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's amazing. You know, he, he's a player uh, in the vast uh, history of some great players that played at this, the University of. I, I, can I, Go ahead. I, you can say it. it. You can say it. You can say it. <laughs> Go ahead. For my guest today. I, I know it's hard, but go ahead. It, okay. For my guest today, <laughs> the University of North Carolina. <laughs> Yay. But, his, you know, his game was was unique, uh, quite unique, because the thing about him, he was more uh, like a sharpshooter, an assassin. Uh, you know, now you get a lot of guys shooting shots and they can everybody shoot. But this guy was notorious for uh, just, I mean, he, he was a different style. They thought about when I played, it was Jeff Lamp. They called the shooters a couple, but no, the one hands down in the ACC and in the nation to me was this gentleman. I'm not gonna say his name just yet, but he played. I'll give you. I'll give you some clues. He played with some great players: Jimmy Black, Sam Perkins, some kid from Gastonia, which is where I'm uh, dealing with now, where I'm kind of living, named uh, James Worthy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was he was an All American, he, and, and he played under the iconic, legendary, awesome man and coach Dean Smith. Mm. Uh, you know, he averaged sixteen points a game while he was mm -hmm. the, his four years there, uh, and over five to six rebounds. But he, what's incredible about him is that he shot to be and have a green light and to shoot as much it allowed to shoot. He shot fifty six percent from the field goal, and that's not easy to do. 56%. That's that's a major, major situation. And uh, I know I watched the game when we played against uh, in, the, in the ACC tournament, and he really wore us out. Not wore, I mean, he, he basically, I was like, somebody put the fire out on him, okay? And he <laughs> was some like, water that. on him or something? <laughs> <laughs> better put a hose. It better be a hose. Get a hose. <laughs> but 
but I love watching him do that and play because he he brought the best out of me. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't we weren't guarding each other, so to speak. But we were in this game, and when two Titans and two players play like that, and two teams play like that, you get the best. And I saw the best, and he he just was amazing. So let me let let, let me just do this. Yeah, let him let him out of the suspense. Let him out of suspense. I <laughs> I went to. An, <laughs> We've had we've had several podcasts. We had some great players. We've had some ACC guys, Ralph, Phil, uh, Derek. But there's none other of this story that's going to be great about more than this guy named Martin Alfonso Wood. <laughs> and by other words, he's called Al Wood by all of us. Al, how are you? Hey, Gino. It's uh, I'm doing great, man. It's good to see you. Good to hear from you, and. Uh, just excited to be on your show. I'm so uh, uh, excited. I've been I've watched your, uh, several of your podcasts. You've done a great job, and it's just great to uh, be able to uh, reach out and see a lot of the guys from what we call the old past, the ACC, what it used to be, and uh, just a lot of fun. So it's good to be with you. Well, it's great that you you're doing. I mean, we we've, we've done meet we've met in past on certain things at the ACC games or something like that, and I know you've been here and there and. You've been in one end of Carolina, and I've been on the other end of Greensboro. You've been in Charlotte. Uh, but it's I'm always when I hear about you, you're always doing some great, wonderful things, and your spirit has always been good. And we'll talk about the spirit thing even more further than that. But uh, let, let's, just, let's just say this. I'm so happy to have you on this show and, uh, and glad that you're doing and doing awesome things in communities. Well, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I uh, just turned 63 June 2nd. Yes, and you I've did. Happy fortunate. birthday. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I've been very fortunate, been very blessed to try to uh, take all my trials and tribulations and, and use them uh, to help me grow to a, and go to another level. As we all know, you never stop learning uh, to the day you die. So I'm still learning and, and hopefully making progress and having an impact not only on my family, but on other people as well. Yeah, and, and I, I did. I didn't know exactly that you were from. Uh, well, Lynette, Lynette found this out where you were from. Isn't that mm-hmm. correct, Lynette? Yeah. And, and we, I did some Gray, research. Georgia. Gray, Georgia. Yep. That's Gray, true. Georgia. Yeah. Gray, Georgia. Gray, Georgia is just. Uh, I guess uh, Gray would be a little bit uh, west of Millersville, oh. Georgia, which okay. Uh, GMC Gene uh, will remember this. They used to have the, uh, I think it was Bill Cronin camp there in Milledgeville. That's right. Uh, that was, That's right. Yeah, that big high school uh, camp. All the kids come and and most of the college kids would work it. I worked it with uh, Kevin McHale, Bernard Toon, oh, uh, wow. a lot of those guys during the day. So it was a, it was a great camp and it was a lot of fun uh, to be uh, participate. Not too far from Macon, right? Uh, it's it- right in between. Yeah. Gray is in between Macon and uh, Milledgeville. Exactly. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Now, a lot, th- lot of famous people from making Georgia. Yes, <laughs> a lot of famous. And it's so funny. I was telling Gene, I'm like, well, I'm in, I'm in Atlanta right now. And of course, Gene is in North Carolina. I'm in Atlanta doing this podcast. His technology is amazing. But I'm like, great, Georgia. Let me just Google how far that is from Atlanta. Oh, it's near Macon. So lots yes. of famous people from Macon. For sure. Well, here, well here's, here's the thing. When I, when I talk about your beginnings, High school. Now you played at uh, Jones County. Yes, that's correct. Yes. How how was it? Because here's the thing that people don't know that I know, and through all your trials and tribulations, the good part of playing basketball in high school, you were 
1977 parade magazine, All American. People don't know about that. That's before McDonald's, All Americans, and all that stuff. This was the real deal. Yes. Actually, 1977, Gene, was our first year. You know, they had the uh, McDonald's All Star game that we all played in mm -hmm. uh, Washington, D.C., remember? Mm -hmm. uh, that was when we played against the guys from uh, the D.C. area. Right. Because they thought they had some great players, which they did. They had a lot of great players, but uh, uh, yourself, Albert King, Magic, Magic, Darnell yep. Valentine, myself. We were a little bit, we, we were a little too much for that group. A little bit, right there. <laughs> a little bit and, strong. Uh, that was the first. Yeah, that was strong. That was a strong team, and we had a great time. And back then, you know, you you you've heard the statement before: "Diamond in the rough." You can yes. actually find a guy somewhere that most people didn't know about. Yep. But mm -hmm. nowadays, you're not going to do that. Uh, you're going to know about a kid. If he's in the seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you're gonna know all about him. But nowadays, oh, uh, wow. I mean, excuse me. Back then, uh, you you didn't hear anything about me being from a small town until my junior year. I played in the state championship game against a guy by the name of Ricky Brown. Ricky Brown was a six eleven guy, went to Mississippi State, mm -hmm. and he was a he was a heck of a player. And I remember in that particular game, in the championship game, I went thirteen for thirteen from mm. the field in the first half. Mm. Wow. And from that point on, I was on everybody's radar and went on to have a great senior year, make the uh, the All-American team. But that was a big deal to read about. I read about Gene long before I, I met Gene uh, in the parade magazines. Same thing with Albert King and yep, Jeff yep. Lamp and all those guys. So it was a thrill to, you know, read about all the uh, guys from all parts of the country. And then one day you get a chance to meet those guys and play against everybody. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I was when I when I read about you and the Parade magazine came out in the Sunday paper. It was like that parade uh, little section that's in there. It was like a little small section, and they would do a special treatment on it. Then here's Al Wood from Georgia. Here's Darnell Valentine from Kansas, and I would read up on you guys, be like, "Wow!" Then the, actually, even though I was balling where I was balling, when I had had the chance to come to uh, the McDonald's thing and meet everybody, I'm kind of in, in awe. You know, I'm really kind of in awe because we I read about you guys, and now here we are together at this McDonald's thing, and boom! You know, that was that was an amazing thing for me. I'll be really honest with you. That was something. During our era, of course, Magic Johnson back then he he really well. I would say you and Magic both really. Uh, you two was really the sort of and Wayman McCoy. Uh, you guys were sort of at the top of the food chain in terms of the publicity <laughs> yeah. and. And everybody uh, looking forward to it. I mean, come on, Gene. You, you at high school, man. You six, 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 seven. You weigh two twenty, man. Come on, that's that's, <laughs> a, that's that's not a high school size kid, man. That's a that's the someone who's driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's mama's cooking, man. That was, <laughs> but that was a great time, and we won that. And, and and that was the very first to me. I said that was the very first McDonald's All American Classic. That was yes. it. We, we were the originals. We were the originals. That's true. Very right. first ones. Now, now, one thing I want to I want to talk about after you left from high school. What what? Now you go to go <laughs> UNC. Ahead. UNC. Go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, I, I, you can it's say all right. It. It's a, I can say he it. hates I, saying that name. But I love <laughs> but but I I love me some Phil. I love me some Al. You know that the, the, my boys. I, I love them. They're my boys. So I I love them to death. I. I I really don't have any any problems with that. I, I, I joke and kid about it. And uh, and when I say that, how, how do you feel about the rivalry now? How do you think it's changed from when we were playing 
than what it is now. Because I think it's more commercial more than it was when it was more heartfelt back when we were playing. Oh, without a doubt, it's been commercialized. Um, nowadays, they spend so much uh, money, advertisers, in terms of uh, the publicity that the robbery has received over the years. And again, now, when you think back of how many national championships in the past, you know, 30 years between Duke and North Carolina, they won as compared to the rest of the country. It's yeah. When you think about it, it's absolutely mind-boggling. It really is. So I think all the publicity that the coaches and the players are receiving it and they've gotten to this point, it's been it's been well worth it. I, I just yeah. think that yeah. it's been such a, a major recruiting tool uh, because if you know – if you want to play on national television basically every night, every time you play, go to Duke or go to North Carolina and you'll be on national television. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but you know, but you know what's real interesting? We're only like six to eight miles apart from each other. <laughs> That's what's most incredible throughout the whole nation. People in Iowa are reading about us, people in South Dakota and Hawaii, they don't realize how close we are from a distance. It's it's it's, it's mind-boggling. It, it really is real close. I mean. You have uh, the pro in golf over at Duke. He used to be at Chapel Hill. So I used to spend a whole bunch of time over in uh, in Durham. Uh, I go over there to the uh, Duke golf course and I play there. And the campus was nowhere. I had friends that was on Duke's campus. And I, I don't think the general public realized, Gene, in terms of a relationship, in terms of the players uh, having a, the respect and the relationship that we have with, with each other off the basketball court. Right. They think that we're enemies okay. and we're not. With friends, right, right, but if but that was one of the games that you know and, and I know during the week of practice, you know we all got into it because that was the one game you know you ain't want we ain't want to lose that game for sure. No, <laughs> so. that's for sure. Well, I didn't understand it as much until you you I'm sure you'll remember this Phil Ford senior year mm -hmm. in uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, uh, you guys, you guys was was doing great. You had you, know, you yourself, Kenny Denard had came. Uh, Jim Sutter, I can't leave Jim out. He's from That's Georgia. Right. That's right. Outside That's of Atlanta, and uh, came in. Yeah, Jim came into uh, uh, Carmichael, and uh, Phil Ford just absolutely put on a show. But he went nuts. What I did get sort of <laughs> overshadowed. <laughs> it, it gets overshadowed. But first thing, I went eight for eight from the free throw line. Oh I didn't miss a free God. throw. I made all nope. my free throws which was a big deal. And I think I ended up with like 16 points in that game, but I helped mm. Phil have a great senior year and didn't allow Duke to ruin his senior year, which was a big deal. <laughs> Lynette, Lynette uh, Phil went nuts. This guy just <laughs> went nuts. And, and Al was, wasn't helping on either. I mean, when I say helping us any, but by, by, he, he just played well. And uh, it was just one of those nights, nothing you could do, you know, and uh, it's well-deserved because Phil is an exceptional, great player. And, uh, to be able to play, <laughs> we wanted the game, but nothing we can do about that one. Awesome <laughs> player, awesome man. But uh, I, I want to go further on. But are you playing UNC? Uh, you had a chance to play with the, for the great Dean Smith. What? How did Dean get you to come to Carolina? In 1976, uh, I watched uh, the University of North Carolina's head coach, Dean Smith. He coached the Olymp Olympic basketball team, mm -hmm. and on that team was uh, Walter Davis, uh, Phil Ford. Tom Lagarde and Mitch Kupchak. So that was mm. so exciting. I was in uh, Boiling Springs, North Carolina at Gardner Webb. They were an NAIA school at the time. So you didn't have the same rules. I could actually go there and spend the whole summer. 
And I lived with uh, Eddie Holbrooks, who was the head coach of uh, uh, Gardner Webb. And all I did was work on my basketball game and watch the Olympics all summer. <laughs> and, I, and most people don't know this. I actually sent a letter to Dean Smith. Really? To ask, ask him to come watch me play. And at the time, Eddie Fogler was the assistant coach. So he sent Eddie Fogler to watch me play. Mm-hmm. And the first game of my senior year, when Eddie Fogler come to watch me play, I was a, I was a, Big time score in high school. I had 58 points and I played 28 minutes. Mm. And that was on a Tuesday night. And I never will forget it because on a Friday night, Dean Smith was on a private plane in Dublin, Georgia, to watch me play my second high school basketball. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he had never seen me play. <laughs> he, he made sure he got on that 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 plane that saw the second game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because see, I didn't go to camp. I wasn't. Being from Great Georgia, I didn't go to uh, I didn't go to uh, a lot of the camps that a lot of the inner city kids they were going to and so forth. Right. Basically, uh, the University of Georgia knew about me, but they wanted to keep me a secret because I think they thought I was going to stay in Georgia at the time. Right. So Hugh Durham was the coach there, and he wanted me to stay in Georgia. But uh, obviously, uh, as it turned out, I made the right choice. So, who, who was your influences back then in high school when you were playing? Well, I, I mean, I love. One of the most underrated uh, basketball players in the ACC of all times, in my opinion, is Walter Davis. Mm, Walter yes. Davis was an absolutely unbelievable basketball player in the NBA as well. And yes. I really wanted to uh, pattern myself and play like Walter Davis. And so I just watched Phil Ford again. Uh, and the other thing, too, uh, the time that we got into the ACC, there were a few uh, black players in the ACC overall. But the ACC wasn't flooded with black players on all of no. the other teams as well. No. So, no. so that was another thing that I looked at and the opportunity. Of course, Charlie Scott had uh, played at North Carolina. So if I if I can make this, the term, the floodgates was really beginning to open because even at, in uh, over in uh, Durham at Duke and then yourself and then mm-hmm. obviously Johnny Dawkins and then all the other guys started mm-hmm. coming. And, and the rest is history as far as it, we look back at the ACC. Yes, we 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 paved the history during that time, and that was basketball at its finest too. Without without the shot clock, without the three point line. Oh wow! Can wow. you imagine? Can you imagine this no guy? <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> this guy be able to shoot three pointers in the games? I would have been just ridiculous. It would have just been un- unbelievable. But we talk about Charlie Scott, and uh, which which is incredible because he really paved the way for all of us in a lot in more ways than one you know you had more howard uh, from philadelphia went from philly to uh maryland yeah. we felt it going to acc but charlie scott really set the tone on a lot and i and i, I want to give homage to him uh there's no doubt about it because he helped pave the way for a lot of situations and uh this, that's what i want to do give that brother some homage man <laughs> he, he was he was unbelievable but i also want to give you homages too because uh, you know, you really played hard all the time. You never slacked off. You gave it your all. Uh, and besides just playing uh, your style of game, you had you had a nice surrounding cast with you. T- tell me about some of the other players that were with you at the time. Well, I, when I got to North Carolina, Michael Corn was another guy that was an mm-hmm. outstanding player. And so looking at him, I used to watch his uh, work habits. His work habits were phenomenal. And I, one thing you learn early on when you get to college, uh, everybody is All-American. Everybody can play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember my high school coach telling me when I left high school, he told me to look around and everything you see here, 
He said, this is the last time you're going to see it because you're not coming back here. Mm. Wow. So once you get to school, you're going to need to do to, uh, number one, you're going to get your degree. And if the opportunity is open for you to play professional basketball, but for one thing is for sure, you're not coming back here. So make up your mind right now. You are just wow. as good as anybody anywhere. And I took that to heart and I went and I, I really, really, I felt also, Gene, that size wise, I had to work hard because at the time when I got to the University of North Carolina, I only weighed about 190 pounds, mm -hmm. six, six. Mm -hmm. And you, as you know, I mean, come on, man, you, 190 pounds, six, six. When I used to see you, the only thing I thought about was, <laughs> I'm going to run, I'm going to run. And I'm gonna run. <laughs> <laughs> when that ball come off that goal, I was, my goal was to run as fast as I could. And that, when that when you got the ball, the ball came out. I, I had to see you run. I had to say, damn, I got to run after him and run after him. Because he ran like a deer. But but before we go further, that, we got we got to take a break. Oh my god, he's talking about running for me. I got to chase after him. He's he's, he's a speedster. But we're gonna take a we're gonna take a break. But I go what's called a timeout, and we'll be back afterward. Chris Bodie headlines the 10th John Coltrane International Jazz and Blues Festival Labor Day weekend, September 4th at Oak Hollow Park in High Point with saxophonist Marcus Anderson, vocalist Kenny Lattimore, bassist Julian Vaughn, and from New Orleans, the band Galactic. And on Sunday, September 5th, it's the 2021 Grammy-winning jazz vocalist Kurt Elling, blues sensation Kingfish, Tito Puente Jr., with special guest Melina Aldovar, and saxophonist Lakeisha Benjamin. Get your tickets now at ColtraneJazzFest.com. I'm thinking of, cause this life is no good alone, since we've become one. I made a change Everything I do now makes sense All roads and all I do is for you Yeah, we're back, we're back, we're back. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. First portion of this show has been fantastic. And guess what? It's that time coming in September, isn't it? That's Lynette? right. September 4th and 5th is the John Coltrane Jazz Festival, and it's going to be in High Point over Labor Day. Great, the great, great the, lineup. Great lineup. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what's even more, I want, I want my ACC buddies that we're going to even invite Al to come with his, with his family. It's great the greatest lineup. show ever. Phil, yeah. I want Phil coming. They, they got to come. But to tell me more about the lineup. Yeah, so the lineup is going to be Chris Bote. He is headlining. Uh, Tito mm -hmm. Puente Jr. And uh, mm. Kenny Lattimore and mm. Kingfish. I, I was just have been updating myself in, in, in with the music and things like that. And when we were on earlier, Gene just was blasting Kingfish. I mean, this guy is really, really good. You're going to enjoy him. You're going to really enjoy him. But it's the John Coltrane Jazz Festival, Labor Day weekend, September 4th and 5th. You can go to ColtraneJazzFestival.com for more information and to get tickets. But one of the things that I really love that they're doing is they are doing a student essay. So every year they have students that are in the North Carolina area. That's right. Do 
essay. I think that is really, really awesome how they're giving back to the community. So if you're interested in you're in the North Carolina area and you're a student and you are a music student, you can do an essay, uh, 150 words to 200 words and write about why music, you have such a passion for music and just submit it to the ColtraneJazzFest.com and they're giving out instruments. That is amazing. That's yep. a part of what they do and why they raise money to do the things that they do so they give it back to the community. That's why it's important. And then we've all been locked up. We've been locked up for, for a whole year. Well, some, <laughs> some, of, us, some, of, some of us, um, uh, some people like- Like oh, I was locked up. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure Al snuck out and played some golf, but uh, we, we're going to move on some more. You know, <laughs> I would go out and, and hit a couple buckets of balls, but really that's about all I could do. But, uh, you know, we are coming out of this COVID thing and we are all vaccinated. So if yes, you ma'am. haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated so that we can move around the country a little bit. Most but uh, we would love to see you at the John Coltrane Jazz Festival. Most definitely. And definitely be there because I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. We're back even more. We're with Martin Alfonso Wood. You know, known he as... really loves saying everybody's <laughs> government name, like the full name. I had to stop him from calling my full name. <laughs> yeah, Lynette Christian Jackson. But uh, I, I like that. That's smooth. That's that's a Martin Alfonso. But anyway, <laughs> but listen. Al, let's let's talk about this. Now you you've had a great career at Carolina, and we can go on and talk about. But first, how, how did you feel playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium? Oh I, somebody asked me to ask you that. They well, I, felt, I love it because number one, the the, the kids on top of you mm-hmm. uh, is a very limited ticket for sure, mm-hmm. and it's it, it makes so much noise. I guess that's what eight thousand people in there, but it sounds like there's like twenty five thousand people in there. So, I mean, that's just fantastic. I mean, I cannot think of a, a better venue in terms of the atmosphere than uh, playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium. So, I think most people on the outside, obviously, teams from the ACC go there all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you are an outside team going there for the first time, you almost shell shot for the first 15 minutes. Because <laughs> it is absolutely, it's crazy. <laughs> that is so true. I went. Uh, February of 2020, I was in North Carolina. I went with Gene to see uh, Duke and Notre Dame. And that was the first time I had ever been in Cameron. And um, it l- reminded me of the Palestria at home when Gene and the, the, our high school team, West would play at the Palestria. So it's built very similar to that. So, but I, it's nothing like I've ever seen before in my entire life. I'm literally the floor is shaking. Yes. And I'm like, why don't these people sit down? They don't sit down. They don't buy seats where they can sit down and they're just, it's just, it's amazing. So if you've never been to a game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, boy, I tell you what, it's a part of life you've missed. Yeah, but I, I, I Al, Al likes playing there. He gets, he gets hyped. <laughs> he gets hyped to come here and play because he wants, he, he, like, they, I can't say on the FCC, whatever, but he, he likes, he want to get, he want to grab that. He want to take that home. <laughs> and, and, and that's what brings it brings you know it brings the best out of you when you play in venues like that and so forth and to give his numbers in, in college consensus second team all American 1981 two time first team all ACC second team all ACC in 1980 but first time two time first team all ACC 79 81 number 30 his number was honored by the mm. North Carolina Tar Heels he was a first team parade all American everybody keeps talking about McDonald's but parade was it. Uh, and McDonald's waving and taking that all over, but uh, that was where his, that those were his numbers 
Uh, and geez, that's, <laughs> what more? What can you say? I mean, these are uh, and and he he's very humble about this. That's why I want to use to take the time to to say what I said because now he leaves Carolina, has a great mm-hmm. career. He gets drafted in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's the fourth pick in the first round. He gets picked by guess. Can you guess what team you think he got picked picked by? Atlanta Hawks. Oh, <laughs> how'd you know that? Because I did my research, right? Oh, oh, oh! I thought you know that. Like 1981-82 team. Okay, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Atlanta Hawks, and that's a really quick, big question that I have is: is like coming from Gray, going to North Carolina, and now kind of coming almost back home to yes. play in Georgia. What was that like? What was that like playing for the Hawks? Well, actually, as far as coming home, I didn't like it, and the reason I didn't like it was. I think most uh, people that I grew up with and all of the uh, fans who watch basketball, they watch a, a professional basketball game. And most of them think that we just show up on game night and play the game. <laughs> they don't quite understand everything else that goes into it, the preparation, mm-hmm. eating, your diet, rest, getting ready to play the game. They think they can just show up at your house at any time. And- <laughs> And you just, you know, leave the house whenever you want to, show up and play the ball game. No, it doesn't work that way. And so for me, uh, probably because I was so young at the time, uh, going home really wasn't the best thing because what I just stated happened to me in terms of uh, people that knew I was in Atlanta, somehow uh, another they found out where I lived and and they were just showing up like like crazy. So I got injured early on. So in terms of me going home, and not really understanding the landscape of uh, NBA basketball. I mm-hmm. thought I did, but I really didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was a learning curve that I think, because so many games are on television today, and you see guys from, you know, earth stage, I think that the, the learning curve is so much shorter. Guys get it so much quicker nowadays. But back then, that was a that was a period you really had to learn something. When you was a rookie, yeah. you, were, you were a real rookie. But nowadays, uh, it's, it's totally different. So I mean, what do you yeah, think about I, I mean, this Atlanta Hawk team that just went to the playoffs? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. What, do, what do you think? What do you think about that team? Well, I mean, I like the the Hawks team that they currently have. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they have a good mixture. Uh, yeah. You know, a few more pieces they have to uh, to put uh, with uh, Nate McMillan. I know Nate; he's a great coach. Uh, coach Smith used to love Nate McMillan from NC State, but I think that. Uh, timing is everything. I mean, when you think about even looking at Milwaukee winning. Uh, mm, yes. Congratulations what, to Milwaukee. Yeah. What, what happened was um, uh, the Brooklyn Nets got got injured, right? Even the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young, they got injured. Yeah. Uh, you got Danny Green from Philadelphia. He gets injured against the Hawks, uh, and I'm saying these are key piece people and key pieces of a team that have played great all year with these guys mm-hmm. and then obviously you come out west uh the lakers having all the injuries that they have and so forth utah uh trying to put that team back together at the right time so once you get a chance to win it you better make sure you take advantage yeah. of it because you might not ever get that chance again to win a championship of any magnitude is phenomenal yes. but the nba the title is absolutely amazing so i just think that uh the hawks you know look at the uh, dallas mavericks and the mm-hmm. team they had, uh, they had a great team. The the Clippers, uh, again, Kawhi Leonard get injured. I mean, they almost came out of the West 
without Kawhi Leonard. So mm -hmm. I think that uh, you have to stay healthy. Yes. That's the first and foremost. You have to stay healthy. If you can stay healthy, you you know you have a pretty good shot of winning it all. Unlike years in the past, that's that's six eight teams that can win the NBA championship next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, one 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 of the things I wanted to ask you, not getting off track, but you played for Atlanta, then you also played for San Diego Clippers. Right. Now and then you also played for Seattle SuperSonics and you played for Dallas Mavericks. So all those some of these teams you mentioned, you had experiences playing for them. Yeah. Yes, I, I had a lot of experience playing for those teams, and also uh, all those teams now have different owners. So things have really changed over the years uh, when I was playing. Because Gene, you 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 can understand this and realize uh, your ownership is huge because uh, back then. Number one, the, the money. The money was, it was good money for the time, but it, it was nothing compared to what it is today. So again, uh, the uh, it's, it's important, you know, in terms of uh, having the, the right owner mm -hmm. because the owners will invest money if they really want to uh, win an NBA uh, championship. So uh, I got all those owners that I played for at that particular time, they're all gone now. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, uh, I think all those teams, again, that I mentioned, Seattle, which is Oklahoma, that's probably of all the teams, the only one that really, uh, in terms of next year, don't really have a shot at winning the, the uh, right. championship. But the Hawks, right. they're going to have a shot at winning. The Clippers, they're going to have a shot at, mm -hmm. at winning the championship as well. And uh, so the uh, Dallas and Atlanta. So it's going to be pretty interesting next year. Well, how, how was it for you? Because you you had a couple of injuries. They, they, they just kind of nagged you back and forth. When That's why someone seemed like you would – with there and then you went to another team and then they want another team wanted you. So what, what was it, the, the transition you had to deal with on that? Well, it, it was, it was a uh, difficult cause in my situation, as far as being traded, uh, I, I tell people being traded, that's not a good thing. I mean, if somebody's <laughs> trade you, that means they don't want you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wanted to play uh, for the teams that I was playing for at the time, but, uh, when I went to Seattle, it was a good situation. Going to play for Lenny Wilkins, mm -hmm. uh, he he was really a player's coach. So I loved going there. But having the injuries, first of all, again, I go back to my side. When you are a smaller person, you cannot afford to have the injuries. Mm -hmm. I separated left shoulder. It bothered me for, for my entire career. It still bothered me to this day. So uh, having the nagging injuries is critical uh, in terms of being the best that you can be. So all that affected me, as well as, I inflicted a lot of uh, wounds myself on my lifestyle and some of the things that I was doing. So, uh, you know, I don't blame it just all on the injuries. I made some uh, decisions that I had to live with and, you know, I live with them today. And nevertheless, all those uh, decisions that I made, they, they didn't just uh, wasn't for naught because now they are making a difference in a lot of people's lives. That's awesome. Yeah, I was seeing, looking here at sure. uh, your for stats sure. here, and it seems like that was the Supersonics was the longest team that you played for. Uh, you played 81, 82 Atlanta Hawks, 82, 83 the Clippers, and then 83 to 86 the Supersonics, and then 86, 87 the Dallas Mavericks. So uh, that seemed to, if that was your favorite team to play for, yeah, you, you were there for a good bit of time. Well, see, uh, Seattle is actually a fantastic city. I will be shocked if the Seattle uh, city of uh, Seattle doesn't get another NBA team because it's mm -hmm. a great place to, to uh, play. It's a great place to be. So I'm thinking that eventually they will get another NBA basketball team there. 
and 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 they supported him. They, they it was there was a great support staff that was there with them. But uh, career NBA statistics: four thousand nine hundred two points, rebounds one thousand two hundred sixty-two, assists seven hundred forty-two assists, and that is some impressive NBA statistics, even under the circumstances that you were pretty much have some injuries and that held you back on that aspect. But you you put in a good six years of. You're an NBA veteran, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a great job, no, without a doubt. I, but I always tell a lot of young people that I get chance to speak to, uh, professional sports is like fantasy land because it, it really is not reality. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a great fantasy to be a part of for a short period of time. So it's, it's short-lived, so you really have to uh, take advantage of it and make the most of it to realize uh, uh, why are you there. Uh, one of the things that I've learned after basketball was two uh, most important days in a man's life is the day that he's born and the day he realized his purpose. So mm-hmm. you, when you realize your purpose in life, that makes all the difference in the world. So it now changes I really the know, game. Yes. It completely changes everything. Yes. Oh, my Amen. goodness. And Amen. with that, and that, that was, well, see, that's what's going to happen because we're going to take this next break. And after <laughs> this break, we're going to get deep. It's not going to be long because what his whole concept, what makes Al Wood who he is, is the creator. So we're going to take a time out, as we always say. Legendary songstress and entertainer Janet Jackson has suffered since childhood. Actress, host, and activist Jada Pinkett Smith admitted she battled with it in her early 20s. Dak Prescott, all-pro quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, was brave enough to bring light to his situation after the death of his mother. And Grammy award-winning rapper Jay-Z says confronting it was life-changing and he will always be a staunch advocate for seeking help. We are talking about mental health and those celebrities and more understand the importance of getting the help you need. If you have feelings of grief and anxiety, or even depression, Telehelp 24-7 is a new virtual company that is focused on providing mental health care services for people of color and is here for you. Get on your phone, tablet, or computer and sign up for Telehelp 24-7's free holiday sessions where you can talk things out with others and a licensed clinical professional. Go to telehelp247.org to learn more and see how you can get the help you need today. That's Telehelp with a P, 247.org. Telehelp 24-7, culturally competent mental health care. That's what you call what you're going to hear at the John Coltrane Festival in High Point, North Carolina, the furniture capital of the world. Yes, Kingfish, yes. Huh? Kingfish. You know, Kingfish. he reminds me of B.B. King. So, you know, B.B. <laughs> King is gone. And so when you hear him sing the thrill is the thrill is gone, it's just like you're listening to B.B. King sing it. I mean, it's just amazing. So, yeah. Real excited about it's the John Coltrane Jazz Festival. It's going to be a great. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, September fourth, Labor Day weekend in High Point. Mm-hmm. 
and, I, and I'm looking for all my ACC brothers to come on down. And I'll, I'll, I'll make sure they be taken care of. We're going to take care of them. And I know Phil said he's going to come. And I think Ralph's hopefully is going to come. And, and, and uh, Delaney Rudd is around the area. So uh, it's going to be good to have a little ACC field and enjoy yeah, that. And a it, it's an amazing place to, to, uh, to be. Now, it really would be. Now, the good thing, the one thing I really enjoy about naming Al Wood is I've been looking around the, the, the states and around the nation. Alwood has been traveling around speaking and giving out good vibes and good positive spiritual concepts. He's had his highs and his lows, and he's worked through these things, but he's still standing, and God still has favor and shows love of him. And I just want to feel his spirit right now because all I want to know, Al, is how have you been keep going through all the things you've gone through, still smile, still be strong, and still keep going? Well, first of all, I think it all started for me, and I don't think I know it, with my grandmother. My grandmother was a very uh, spirit-filled lady that taught me and my brothers a lot of things. But most of all, she taught us that God really loves us. And I think that um, I tell parents all the time, when you're mm -hmm. speaking to your kids, I know sometimes they don't want to hear what you have to say, but you still have to speak to them because uh, their brain is like a, a hard drive. And once you put something on a hard drive, it stays there. It's not going to leave. It's going to always be there. And you never know when you're going to have to uh, call up on it. And in my case, um, once I had uh, finished playing pro basketball and I was out and trying to make a decision on what I was going to do, I really didn't know what to do. So actually, I sort of went a little AWOL. And when I say I mean, what I mean about going AWOL, the fact that my mother was an alcoholic, that I was raised by my grandmother. My father was an alcoholic. I didn't spend time with him. So the chances of me becoming an alcoholic was pretty great, but I didn't know that at the time. I just thought that I would drink and just have fun and do things and I go work hard and I play hard. But once today that I realized that uh, that could be a problem here. And once I realized that, that was back in 1989, I made a decision that I was gonna do something about it. And I went and uh, got some help, did something about it. And I've never had to look back. And since that time, I've been trying to educate other people on uh, this uh, terrible disease that we call uh, uh, alcoholism or addiction. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's such a stigma attached to it. So I just want to say amazing to you because I have a family member who is suffering right now and they are not accepting it. So if someone's listening right now that is having some of a challenge right now, what would you suggest to them or what advice would you give to them so that they could, you know, they say an addiction is, is the first thing is acknowledging it. But that's the part that people have the problem with is acknowledging the fact that they have a problem. How do you get a person to do that? I think, as you said, you have to uh, realize that you have a problem. But I also think that one of the other thing is uh, all of us, we have an enemy, an unseen enemy. That is, yes. that is some unseen force that do not want to see you succeed. They mm -hmm. want to see you fail. And also want mm -hmm. to you to not realize that God has a purpose and God has a plan Ooh. for all of our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't get off track somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. But also, it, it also doesn't mean that we can't get back on track because you can get back on track. But I think for a lot of uh, uh, young people, and what I call young people, I'm talking about if you're under 35, you know, that, that's in terms of this disease. 
that if you've messed up, you think, oh, I messed up and now I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you can get back on track. I don't care yeah. who you are. Just don't allow uh, the idea of embarrassment or the, the idea of, of putting on a, a facade in terms of uh, uh, pretending to be someone that you're not. When you can really come from behind the curtain yeah. and really be who you are, I mean, that's when a whole new world can open up for you. And when I realized that myself, because I thought that most of my friends didn't know that I had a problem. And the reality of it is they all knew. They all I was knew. the only one that didn't know. <laughs> right. That is the big thing. It's just everybody knows. And uh, it's like no one wants to tell the emperor he has no clothes on. It's like, right. well, you tell him. I'm not going to tell him. But the emperor's walking around with no clothes on. He's got the problem, but no one wants to say anything. And I think it comes back to, I know from my personal experiences, like I said, I have a family member, very close family member that I've, and Gene knows that I've dealt with this for a while. It's hard trying to, to let them know that you can't support their, their addiction. Uh, you can't enable them, but um, it's just kind of hard because everyone in my family sees it and knows it, but no one speaks on it. And so uh, it's, 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 it's very tough. It's very tough. Well, no doubt about it. But the thing about addiction, it affects the whole family. It it's does. not just, it's not just the individual who's going through the addiction. It's the entire family. And so, uh, other family members have to, you know, go to Al-Anon and, and get as much uh, information as possible because if you, uh, basically you becoming a nurse, but you also have to take care of yourself and you need to know how to do it. Because I did not know this is I, I laugh at this all the time. When once I uh, got to the pros, I remember I knew that my mother had a problem with uh, drinking. I knew that without a doubt. And so I uh, made sure my mother got some help. She went into uh, the hospital. She got uh, she she took uh, all the treatment at the hospital. And as soon as she came home, this is what I did. I bought some liquor and brought it into the house because I wow. thought that what happened with my mother is once she went to treatment, she I thought now she know how to drink. <laughs> She's fixed now. That, yep. yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know that none. So I didn't know any of this, these things. And and my mother laughed so hard at me. Bless her soul. She's going to be with the Lord now. But that was just some of the things that that I learned. And it's some of the things that I love to talk about. It. My, my, my life is an open book. I don't mind talking about it. I'm not sure, embarrassed sure. about it anymore. I'm not proud of some of the things I've done, but I'm not embarrassed. If what I have to say in my story can help yeah. someone else, that's what I'm all about. I want to make sure that all the people that I come in contact with, if I can help them reach their full potential, then my life, all my living have not been in vain. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's so interesting because no. I remember I was trying to find out, I wanted to just fix this family member. I just wanted them fixed. And um, I remember praying and God said to me, um, you go get the help. You go learn how to love that person. Right. And I didn't know. So I had to educate myself on living with an alcoholic, being around an alcoholic, but I didn't know. And so there are certain things I wouldn't say, uh, those things that I couldn't do to, 
to enable them, but I had to educate myself. So you're absolutely right about the family. It does affect the family, King. No doubt about it, yes. Well, one, one of the things that people don't know about why you were at UNC and you know, moving back from the pros to something that was important in life, while you were at UNC, you, you had to deal with some situation with your mom. Yes, yeah. Most people, obviously, Coach Smith knew about it, but my mother was incarcerated the whole time that I was uh, at UNC. Wow. Uh, my mother, uh, yeah, my mother had gotten drunk, and my mother had what they call a blackout. And most yeah. people think blackouts are not real, but they're real. You actually can do things and not remember the next day. And uh, she uh, she killed a man. She stabbed the man to death. Wow. And she woke up the next day. She was in jail. And she really didn't remember all that she had done. And over the years, bits and pieces came back to her. But I think the governor, uh, Busby, in the mm -hmm. state of Georgia, my senior year, my last game, uh, he allowed my mother to, uh, uh, to be uh, free from prison. So she can come watch me play my last basketball game at UNC. So wow. I'm grateful, thankful for that. She got a chance to see me play one college basketball game. Amazing story. Yes, wow. yes, yes, yes. That that's that's why it's, it's it's so vital that of having Al because he he still had to focus and trance and go through and do his walk at Carolina, and then he had to go on to the NBA, and then you know he's 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 gotten married and gone through the changes of being traded and then having a family and then you know he, and he, he's also giving back his legacy to unc his daughter was yeah. a player that got a scholarship mm -hmm. and was one of the top players at the unc women's basketball team at one point yes yeah i'm so proud of my daughters i had two of them actually uh they played basketball at unc and they've all graduated in fact all four of my kids graduated uh from unc they're all out now doing different things so you know again i'm one of the things that that I learned and at some other time, uh, Gino, I love to come back on the show and talk about it, is that one of the things that I did oh, most want, definitely, most definitely. I did not want my kids to uh, be come up in a life that I had early on in my life before I moved in with my grandmother. But nevertheless, one thing I've learned is your economic standing is not uh, it doesn't make a difference in terms of this disease because Tell this disease affect poor people, rich people, black people, white people, you name it, it affects everyone. And so that is, it's a, it's a certain type of um, lifestyle and, and things that we do because I never could imagine that the preacher, that the teacher, that the basketball player, the basketball coach, or the judge, or the president of the United States, I never could imagine that they were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. That they could be mm -hmm. alcoholics. <laughs> exactly. Alcoholics. That's true. Yeah. Right. I thought that alcohol was a person that was pushing the buggy down the street, the one that you saw sleeping on the corner or staggering mm -hmm. down the street. I thought that was the alcoholic. I didn't understand right. this disease can affect anyone. So now that I've learned that, I realized to meet people where they are, whoever you are and where you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say to anyone out there that's listening to this show. What we want to do is meet you where you are, wherever you are right, right now. You, 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 you are not too far. You're not the unreachable. You can be reached okay. and you can have a change. Your life can completely turn around. You just have to, to believe it. If you can believe that, and if you can uh, just give, first of all, I always say, give God a chance. If you give God yes. a chance, what I remember my grandmother saying to me is, God loves you. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care what happened to you in your life. God loves you. And you can always call on him. So that's what I did. And that's what I encourage all of you. 
listeners to do the same thing. Just give them a chance. Yeah, man, I tell you what, mm, you preach mm, it now, mm, and that's so, so good because there's, such, yes. there's a stigma uh, of guilt and shame attached to that. And so one of the first things we want to say is that nobody loves me, and especially God cannot love me because I'm just, I'm an alcoholic, and he cannot love you. And, and here's the thing, there's nothing that you can do to make him stop loving you. And that's the thing that I love so much about him myself. You know? So I'm right with you. Like he loves me in spite of myself. And in spite of the in things that of. I've done, he still loves me. And I'm thinking, how can you love me? I'm just a dirty, filthy drunk. How can you love me? And he says, well, I still do, no matter what. And that's, that's the power of God's love. And with that, we're going to definitely say this more than anything else. Now your words have gone over it and they're going to go not yes. just national, but globally. And I'm so happy to have you on this show. And let me tell you something else too, brother. We just, I just had one of my brethren that you played against from Duke go through a situation and he yes. just got out of rehab yes. on, under the same situation. Yes. And uh, I'll share with that with you later because he's going to be on the show as well. Yes. So, um, and you played against him through our four years, so forth. And But I'll share that with you and hope that you will be able to share and talk with him as well. Because yeah. uh, he's done really, really great. But I just wanted to say thank you for being on this show. And I just want to let you know that I, I admired you when we played against each other. I admired you during the time of your NBA, but I admire you even more now for the man that you are now. And for the friendship and the bond that we're going to carry on because Life is short, but God got us here for a purpose. Yes. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you, you so much. Before we leave, can we just ask him to maybe give his social media information so that if yes. anyone wants to follow you, because I know you are out there giving encouraging messages and that you are being a light in the midst of darkness. And so somebody may just need to see something that you post on social that could be a blessing. So give Amen. us your information so that people can follow you on social or just, you know, how they can get in touch. Yes. If you, if you want to follow me, you go to uh, Yes You Can Inc. Again, that's Yes You Can Inc. Uh, mm -hmm. that yes You Can Inc. is my foundation. And Excellent. again, I try to encourage people, let them know, yes, you can. The people say they can't do it. I say, yes, you can. You can do yes, it. You, can. you just need to have a game plan. We want to yes. make sure you have a game plan. And uh, Gino, it's not many people, especially um, uh, guys who came along at the same time that we came along that I don't pretty much know about who have not reached out to me to help them in some way or another when it comes to this addiction. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with just about all of them. So it's been one of those things. I keep it. I keep it on anonymity, but I'm 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 yes. already. In I know what's going on. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Thank you. I know you do. I know you do. That's why, that's why I had to say it and, and let people yes. know that it, 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 a lot of us have, have situations we got to deal with. So we're not alone. We're not alone. Yeah. No, we're not. No, but we, have to be, we have to be together. God yes. bless you, Martin Alfonso Al Wood. <laughs> I appreciate you too, Tinkerbell. We're going to stay in. <laughs> Tinkerbell, right. And we're going to stay in touch. And God bless you. And when I get on my knees, believe me, I will take you and your family's name up in prayer. Thank you, Thank brother. You, I appreciate God bless you. You've been listening to The Bank Shot with your host, Gene Banks. The show is sponsored by the John Coltrane Jazz Festival and Roar Media Group. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And until next week, don't forget to take your shot, The Bank Shot. <laughs>